0: Hi, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about classical world, ancient things. We're reading Aristophanes. We're reading Aristotle. We're going way back Indeed. to the, the ancients. <laughs> this is great. Where we. What year.
1: Yeah. When? And
0: it's stuff you should know. Yeah. And we talk about it. Well, I don't know all year. My name is Graham Donaldson, and I'm joined with Thomas Pointed Question Magby. Hi. And AJ secret recording Hannenberg. Yeah. I mean, so no one's gonna know what you're referencing. I know, yeah, but, but now well, be be we answered. I just said it, and now you're like no one's gonna know, and now we're gonna tell them. And now yeah, pointed reference. So, That's right. yeah. Point this is rebel. why we should
2: include it at the beginning. Anyway, <laughs> I, I hit record before Graham was
0: ready and he was recording texts to his wife. I was telling her how to I forgot to make the form the bread at home and I was giving telling her how to form it into a boule. and what is the, a boule? What is that? Hannenberg?
1: It's a loaf, a loaf of bread, typically a round one. It's called a boule. boule. What's the name for that? La France. La
0: France, yeah. La France. Um, Anyway, so um, I I recently um, was made aware that I have sense and motion. Oh. And I, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I probably knew it all along, but I sort of like, I realized it. Yeah. Pretty deeply, yeah, and so <laughs> I—I really I mean, threw me for a loop. I have no idea what it's what its deal is, and so I wish there was a book that could tell me about my animation and my um, and whether it's like based on a large number or not.
1: Whether your
2: your soul is numbers plus movement, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Actually, um, I was reminded of this uh, Aristotle episode where he's talking about the soul being linked to number when Plato, in his Republic, talks about. The beginning of the end of the of the golden society is when families stop having children, according to like the right prime number.
1: Like well, there's there is
0: a perfect time to have a child. What time is that? Um, uh, the first prime. I, when AJ <laughs> starts, yeah. No, it's 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 ridiculous. If AJ's got a, a Plato book kicking around here, I can find it. But Plato basically says when people uh, stop realizing the, to- the right time to have a children, and then he has this huge paragraph talking about how the numerical time, the right time to have a child based on numbers, and you will get fortunate and happy children. But parents aren't always going to do that. They're just going to crank out another and then you're not going to have fortunate and happy children, and that's the beginning of the end of the aristocratic society, and then it's just chaos ever since. Anyway, was he serious about this? I don't think he was. I think he's being funny. Okay, but it's hard to tell with Plato sometimes.
1: Very anyway, hard to
0: do tell. you have Republic kicking around there? Oh yeah. I All right. Well, you you do your intro. I'll see if I can find it. So it's right oh, up there
2: next to uh, Boethius. <clears throat> we record in my classroom. For yep. those who don't know this. I don't know how we got here.
1: How did we get here? Um, something about prime number. Oh, the soul. The soul having numbers. No, soul is, is numbers also- and movement. Okay.
2: In any case, this is part three of my series on Aristotle's Day Anima. And I, oh man, as I was putting this episode together, it's just.
1: Do you regret this? I, oh,
2: I thought I could do it. I, I was like, I can, I got, I got this. I went in so confident feeling myself just like I've, I've read a lot of old books. I can understand. I'm. I feel so far out of my depth. I, there were whole chapters I read and I and I was like it's what all, this? Yeah. it's like reading the dictionary. Like I can't, except I understand the dictionary. It's just a, a word salad that right. means nothing to me. Is
1: this part three of three? Aren't this is part three, three of three. This is the okay. last one. Hallelujah. <laughs> Cause you, when you first started this, you talked about a five part series. So I, we're, we're, we're pairing this down. No, it's, well, it's three books. Right. But I think some of them might've taken longer. Right. I don't know, but maybe, maybe I should have done it in five parts, <laughs> but there are
2: parts that just make so much nonsense. It's just so much nonsense that I cannot talk about the chapter because he's comparing the soul to divisible and indivisible uh-huh. lines uh-huh. and segments yeah. and points yeah. and concave yeah. versus con... It's just total gibberish.
1: And Spe- Speaking of gibberish, I think, do you have the... I Plato? found it. I yes. mean,
0: so Plato does it too. Yeah, give it to me. All right, this is got? the beginning of the end of the city. Okay, if the, Up to this point, we had the perfect city. And then Plato says this. But seeing that everything which has a beginning has also an end, even a constitution such as ours will not last forever, the constitution being this city, but will in time be dissolved... And this is the dissolution. In plants that grow in the earth, as well as in animals that move on the earth's surface, fertility and sterility of soul and body occur when the circumferences of the circle of each are completed, which in short-lived existences pass over a short space, and in long-lived ones over a long space. But to the knowledge of human fecundity and sterility, all the wisdom and education of your rulers will not attain. The laws which regulate them will not be discovered by an intelligence, which is alloyed with sense, but will escape them, and they will bring children into the world when they ought not. Now that which is divine birth has a period which is contained in a perfect number, but the period of human birth is comprehended in a number in which first increments by involution and evolution of squared and cubed, obtaining three intervals and four terms of like and unlike waxing and waning numbers, make all the terms commensurable and agreeable to one another. The base of these, with a third added when combined with five and raised to the third power, furnishes two harmonies, (laughs) the first a square which is a hundred times as great, (laughs) and the other a figure having one side equal to the former, but oblong, consisting of a 100 <laughs> numbers squared upon rational diameters of a square, i.e., omitting fractions, the side of which is five, each of them being less by one or less by two perfect squares of irrational diameters, and a 100 cubes of three. Now, this number represents a geometrical figure which has control over the good and evil of births. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. If so you work when you that out, if he, does it
2: draw chicken or So no, 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 so if you do <laughs> okay, that we
0: got to look this up. I bet no. somebody has actually drawn this figure. So if you do that then you have, if you have a child according to this figure. Now maybe it has to do with the stars. Maybe mm-hmm. it has to do with like aligning when you have a kid according to the stars. But it seems like Aristotle, a student of Plato, came by this crazy this crazy math uh, stuff by uh, honestly, right? He, he, he sat through lectures like that, <laughs> it's
1: like, and it made sense to him, yeah. right? So and then- Aristotle's
0: like, of course, I can't believe I had a kid in December. <laughs> all right, well, uh,
2: yeah. So what he just read was what certain chapters of this section were like, all the way through, beginning to end, just. It's okay. I think think I'm at the point where I generally understand what he's trying to say. And so I'll be reading a few excerpts here here and there. I will skip the parts that have to do with old arguments that we really don't engage in anymore. Stuff that has gone away because now we understand better how the sense organs work and better how, say, sound is transmitted through air. Can you give me like an example? Well, he, he talked about how certain senses are connected to... Certain things, So the ear is connected to air because it's composed of air and it mm. gets the, th- the senses that are unique to air. And then we have special sense objects, which only relate to one of the senses, but most are common sense objects, which means like I can see a cake. And by virtue of seeing it, I also kind of tell that it's sweet, even though I'm not actively tasting it. And I can and both air and water transmit color. So color is common to both. It's just a whole lot of talk about the mediums and how things come to us. But we just understand better how things come to us like he thought that color was transmitted through the air because it's transparent. Well, we know that color, yes, it does come through the air, but you don't need air to see color. We've been to space and we see color because of light, right? We understand better how light works. We it's just it's just wrangling over things that we don't really wrangle over anymore because we understand better how these things work.
1: So is this all like you'd call this a scientific work from Aristotle like his views on the soul come from his, like, observations of how things are. Yeah, and yeah. part of it is just trying to figure out how the human mind and body
2: works yeah. and <laughs> human bath and body works. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so it's, some of it is just now totally irrelevant, right, uh-huh. where we're like, okay, he he didn't really fully, fully understand how the senses work. For example, he's the whole first chapter, which I'm going to skip, is talking about where why there are no other senses than the five. And he kind of attaches it to the mediums and touch and that sort of thing. Well, the truth is there's lots of stuff that we don't see. There's right. ultraviolet light. There's dark, dark matter. There's all kinds of radiation that we cannot see via our senses at all. Right. Like we have to use some other thing to get it to the medium where our senses can take it in. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I, I think he... And I think he even notes that there are a few organs that certain animals have where they can sense things that we can't, but I I don't know. So I'm going to skip that first chapter, the the chapter that talks about no other senses other than the five. And I'm going to focus, I think, on the stuff that, number one, I understood, and number two, that seem relevant to the audience. Is that fair? Yes. Okay, so skipping chapter one of part five, because it's to establish that there are no other senses of the five. He jumps into chapter two, which is what it means to be aware of sensation. So, for example, your eyeballs mm-hmm. see color. Yes. Right? So they are in the act of seeing. Mm-hmm. What does the realizing of that? Like, there there must be something outside that sort yeah. of says, I am seeing now, and collects all that information yeah. and kind of codifies it. Right? And he says, well, so it might not be the eye. If it's something outside the eye, then it, ha- it like collects and codifies all that information. Right. And then... There must be, you could go infinite regress here. Now that's collecting it. There's got to be something else sort of bringing that together. So he's like, why not just describe it to the first in the series? So the eyeball not only sees, but kind of realizes that it is seeing. While I think now we better understand how that stuff is transmitted to the brain, which is the seat of all this, he doesn't seem to think that the intellect has any specific organ. I don't know what their thoughts on the brain were, whether it was just like
1: soup in your skull. I thought it was that the heart was like that sense-making organ and the brain was like a radiator, like it like warmed up liquids and stuff. Like I'm not sure they nailed it.
2: I don't know (laughs) if they had the physiology (laughs) correct. But there is this is where we get into some actually interesting philosophy about about how he tells that there must be something else other than just the sense organs. Mm -hmm. So we perceive, we can perceive separate things at the same time. So say if I am seeing something that is white. I know at the same time that it is not black. And I can do comparison there. And I can also compare between that whiteness and, say, bitterness from my tongue. And I can do that simultaneously while I am seeing the white. And so there must be something sort of other than just the sense organs that is gathering all this together. Right? Modern science would say what that thing is. Big Excel spreadsheet on the (laughs) inside. A big brained Excel spreadsheet behind your eyeballs. It's just like
0: all all the cells all
2: the way down. Well, yeah, so I'm going to read a quote about it. So in this way, it becomes clear that flesh is not the ultimate sense organ, right? So whatever your body is, it's not it's not the top top guy to suppose that it is requires the supposition that on contact with the object, the sense organ itself discerns what is doing the discerning. So your eyeball would have to be the one figuring out what is discerning which thing. And he's like, that's ridiculous, right? No more indeed is it possible that it should be by separate things that we perceive that sweetness and whiteness are the objects of different senses. So we have to have one thing that perceives that these two things are different, right? Right. Because if it was different things, there would never be a meeting where I could say that is whiteness, that is sweetness, right? Rather, it must be some single thing that they are manifest to. Otherwise, from the mere fact that I see one thing and you see one thing, it would be obvious that those things were not the same whereas it can only be a single thing that asserts their difference. Sweetness then being a different thing from whiteness is the same single thing that asserts them to be so. And as it asserts, so it does both think and perceive clearly then it cannot be by separate things that we discern what are separate. Uh This was one of the clearest passages (laughs) that I read. Um, so there's, but, some, there's something discerning
1: between all these different so
2: senses. So there's a, a central the
0: discerning thing. Yes, there's yeah. some
2: sort of central discerning thing that uh-huh. can take in all of the sense information and discern between the things, even from different sense organs. Okay, that right. is the
0: Because the eye is never going to be able to sense taste. Taste, taste right? Exactly. So I
2: cannot look at whiteness and say that is different than taste yeah. without something that brings those two together. Okay, so when I look
0: at a white freezy and I say, okay, is that going to taste like pineapple or is that going to taste just like
1: Is a freezy sweet? like a Slurpee?
0: Those, those things that come in the plastic tubes that you have at kids, and they, oh, and what they cut the corners, corners of your board. mouth.
1: Freeze pop, flavor Ice. Freeze pop. That's flavorized. Flavor ice. That's flavor Ice. Flavor. Yeah. Flavor what? ice. Flavor no, freeze. Hey, look, y'all are all wrong. I don't freeze even look. Freeze pop.
0: No, look up. Freeze. No. It freezes Freezees. Flavor, flavor ice. Flavor
1: ice. Freezer pops. Assorted in tropical flavors. Yeah, yeah, and
0: they and they come in these long yeah. skinny tubes yeah, yeah, yeah. and fun pops. And you and when you put them in your mouth, yeah. sometimes you can cut the corners of your mouth sometimes, because yeah. they're plastic a little sharp, right the plastic yeah, sharp. Yeah, yeah. We had freezies. Freezy pops. Okay, freezies. I'm really tracking with this now that we got this down to pops. Anyway, but if I'm looking at the white one, yeah. I can say, "Ooh, is that gonna be pineapple or is right. that just gonna be like generic right. sweet?" Yeah, and you don't know with you your know. Kids, we're just by looking at it.
1: So This has got to be the brain, right? Isn't he talking about a brain? He's got to be talking about the brain. But again, I don't think they knew about the brain. Okay, but like we. When you're reading this, do you think that the brain is the answer to what he's talking about? Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is.
2: To an extent. Yeah, okay. So he is now going to sort of differentiate what happens in the mind. He's going to tackle, okay, there must be something going on besides just the sense organs. What is that thing and how do we divide it? So we're on to chapter three. Cool. The nature of imagination. Cool. So he says, thinking and perceiving must not be the same thing, right? Okay. Perceiving something as white is not the same as thinking. And here's why. Your perception is always true, right? Interesting. Anything that comes in through your senses, even if it might, even if you may think the wrong thing about that, it never lies to you. You never see white when in reality, colorblind, you're actually seeing gray. Yes, but those, what is coming through your eyeballs is always the same,
1: right? It's not going to. Uh, It's correct to me, right? Like, uh, but other people might see something different other people might see something okay. different
2: yeah. I, and maybe he didn't know much about color blindness but just curious that was the yeah. in any case yeah. there you can't like see a thing that's green and think ah oh, that is false right. right it's it's just green
1: you're just receiving that you're information you're just receiving that yep. information sure,
2: sure. and the information is always true it's not like yes you might think something wrong about that thing that say i see a thing and think it's green when in fact it's under some lights and it's actually a different color well right. i'm still receiving green right that's still that's still true that makes sense thinking though Can be false. Yes, for sure. I can think the wrong thing. I can be in error. And he says, perceiving is enjoyed by all animals, right? All animals see stuff. They feel stuff. They do stuff. Thinking, though, only by the rational. But imagination is different from both those things. So here's how imagination works. Hmm. It is clear, however, that perceiving and understanding are not the same. For while all animals have a share of the former, only a few have a share of the latter, right? Everything can feel stuff. Right but you're not going to see a grub worm that is thinking deep thoughts about all the things he's perceiving. And as for thinking, which can be both correct and incorrect, correct through being understanding, knowledge, and true opinion, incorrect through their opposites, not even this is the same as perceiving. For the perception of special sensibles is always true and is enjoyed by all animals, while thinking admits of being false and is enjoyed by no animal that does not have rationality. For imagination is a different thing from both perceiving and thinking— imagination cannot occur without perception nor supposition without imagination. So you can't have imagination without perception. You can't have thinking or supposition without perception. It's kind of a base requisite for both. Like I can't think without seeing stuff, Right. but it's not the same thing because it, so it must be something different. Okay. Now, imagination is the capacity to bring forward an image that does not exist. So I can think about, a truck with chicken legs, mm-hmm. right? Do you guys
1: have it? Oh, it's in my brain. Uh, I, can I can see, see it. it. Yeah, Did right you perceive that thing? It's on the road. I yeah. perceive it in my brain. And when you I'm hit like... the horn, it goes... <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can you can imagine this thing. Yes. And you have never seen this, a yeah. chicken truck, right? Correct. And so there must be something happening here. Would you say that that is a true or false thing? I hope it's true. Maybe. Okay, well, here's the other but thing. it's is a false it's, thing. Yeah, it's probably a false thing. And it's different also from belief. Are we there yet? So, yes, but, okay. So it's different from belief because belief, you cannot have a thing without the accompanying emotion. So when I believe a thing is scary and I see that scary thing, Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel scared. Yeah, yeah. Right? Can you imagine
0: a scary thing and not feel scared? I can imagine. Sure. Sure. I feel like I could imagine the concept of a scary thing and not feel scared.
1: But if it, if I'm not scared by it, it's not scary. I don't know if that's what oh. you're going with. But it.
0: the
2: thing, the thing, if it were real, if would you be believed scary. that this yeah, thing yeah, was yeah. real and living in your closet, that would be very you scary. would feel fear, yeah, right? If sure. there was an evil chicken truck that yep. tried to chew your toes off every yep. night yeah. living in your closet, and you believed it, very, you'd be scared. Very scared. But yes. I can imagine that thing all day. Not be In scared. fact, it's kind of funny. It um, is very funny. Um so it must be different than strict belief, right? Yep. Belief always brings an accompanying emotion. Imagination doesn't. I can mm. imagine all kinds of things. Things that might be funny and not laugh, things that might be scary, not feel scared. Things that might be pretty and not feel amorous feelings, right? But so if you
0: believe in it, then it then the emotion is there.
2: Exactly. Gotcha. Then that thing would be real. So yeah. it must be different than belief. And both of these are different than perceiving. So you have perceiving. That's right. And then you have kinds of thinking, which are supposing, which is belief, and imagining. You guys with me? Yeah. I'm tracking. Okay. So he gives a, a list of arguments. And there's, <laughs> there's kind of a funny bit here that I actually had to have a conversation with some folks about, and we'll get there. Okay. So he gives, like, five reasons why we know that imagination is not the same as perception. So imagination is not the same as perception is clear from the following arguments. One, perception is either a potential, potentiality or an activity, as, for instance, our sight and seeing. So you can either, like, you might be able to see, and you can also actively see. Yet there are appearances in the absence of either of these, such as the, the appearances in sleep. So for example, I see things when I'm sleeping that aren't really there. Yeah. So it must be different like than, a dream. than perception. So that's reason number one. I had a crazy dream last night. What'd you have?
0: So I was by myself in New York City, Amanda was somewhere else. And I just remember feeling melancholy hmm. in my dream. And I had to go find dinner. And I was in New York and I had to go eat. And I was like kind of bummed that I was gonna be eating by myself. And the only restaurant I could find, every time I went to a restaurant, it was a TGI Fridays. <laughs> And so you went to hell. I had to go to TGI <laughs> you Friday's. Went hell. I Friday. had to go to TGI Friday's in New York city for dinner. But I kept, every time I came in, I was like, they're, they're, the girl's like, welcome to TGI Friday's. Um, I would be like, can I have a table for one, please? And the girl in the dream said that because it was already, it was so late at night, they were only serving parties. No, they were only serving like dessert people. And so I had to have like a comically large Sunday (laughs) For dinner alone at the bar at TGI Fridays in New York City, that was my dream. I woke up. I feel like you need to make
2: this into a short story. (laughs) This is so strange. Like a short film, I would watch that.
0: There was and I just it was there was just such a. I feel like it was like one of those like French ennui (laughs) movies. Like I just had this feeling of existential dread when I woke up. I was just like that was awful.
2: It's like when you sit down to the Sunday. It's like all around me are familiar faces, <laughs> yeah. worn out places. Exactly. I, I was just like, I think places. I had like a big red
0: plastic spoon to eat my Sunday with at the bar at TGI Fridays. Is it comically long? Yeah. No, no, it was comically long. But it had like it had like it was mountains large, yeah. of whipped cream yeah. and like the comically large cherry on yeah. top. And I, anyway. Did you stare for Lonely I straight ahead? I, I don't remember that. Probably. Okay. Well, let's uh, say yes. Anyway, that was my dream. Okay. Now, okay. So, <laughs> what does Aristotle say about that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Freud next episode? Yeah.
2: Well, he says that just shows your imagination, right. yeah. Yeah. All right. Number two, perception is, but imagination is not always present. Okay. Right. You're always having things come in through your right. eyeballs when you're awake, but like you're, you're not always not necessarily always imagining stuff. Sure. Sometimes you're just out there
1: doing things still thinking about that truck though with the chicken legs that's still yeah, that, that's gonna haunt me yeah so but there are times when you won't be thinking about it mm, I think okay maybe but I those was gonna I be I less times than there was yesterday <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay Incredible.
2: so that's reason number two number th- uh, number th- well, let's see and if it were in a sorry I was gonna jump a section <laughs> okay. and if it were in activity that there were the same it would be possible for all animals to have imagination but it is held that while an ant and bee do the grub does not have imagination Why? okay this is the he doesn't give a why. Oh, but can you guys imagine a reason why an ant and a bee would be considered to be imaginative while a grub would not? They give build it a second, they build, they build. Oh, <sighs> cool. Wow. Okay, that's what I that's what I have came yeah. up with because oh. they they have structures,
0: they they, must, they're looking at a blank canvas, uh-huh. they're like. What can this we would do be with this? It's a friggin' great yeah. hive. Yeah.
2: Exactly. They have to be able to imagine a structure that does not yet exist and then be able to build that structure. And so, for the same reason, I think there's a variety of insects we could say have imagination. With their little ant blueprints and their uh-huh. little yeah. bee <laughs> white hats? Yep. Termites. Termites. <laughs> they yeah. build, okay, yeah, they have yeah. those big, big hive but things. My dog doesn't build. So no. Your no. dog has no imagination. No imagination. Aww. Are you bummed about this? In fact, they actually, we, we talked about this. We had a dog named Gladys that started chasing an imaginary thing around the house. Uh-huh. Mm. And she would see it and she would growl at it and run around and chase it. And we went to the doctor and the doctor said, dogs do not have imaginations. Hmm. This is some si- sort of like psychotic break that your dog is having and seeing imaginary things. But dogs cannot have fun imaginary playtime. So
0: okay, it's weird, right? That's very weird because our dog will um, stare up at the ceiling and kind of like act as if there's something on the ceiling, and we call it ceiling monsters because he's like walking like around looking at the ceiling. For cats.
1: There's like a ghost that cats are supposed to be like staring at yeah. whenever they just stare off into oh, the distance like that. So oh, weird. terrifying. I don't know if there's a dog one. Well, i am not sleeping the night. Sorry about that. But, but I don't,
2: yeah, I don't know what to believe about ants because they, there are certain ants that will build small ant bridges across things. So they have to have some sort of. If I hold on to my buddy's antlers, antlers? Antenna? Antenna. That's. If I hold on to my buddy's antenna, we're going to get across this yeah, sucker.
0: they can't be that smart because they can, like, walk in a circle to death.
2: Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what to believe about those. Yeah. Anyway, that was my guess cool. is that they build, they build things. All right. Number three. While perceivings are always veridical, and I had to look that up. It means true in real life. While perceivings are always true, imaginings are, for the most part, <laughs> false. Mm. Number four. It is not when we are in a state of accurate activity in connection with the sense object that we say, this appears to me as a man, but rather whenever we do not clearly perceive whether it is a real or illusory man. Okay. I I don't know what that means. Don't know. Yep. Number five, as we said above, visions appear even to those whose eyes are shut. So it must be different than perception, right? Because you can still have visions. Okay. And imagination is also different from belief. For conviction follows belief, which is a task of reason, and animals don't have reason, right? You believe a thing, you are convicted about it, you want to continue to, to pursue that thing, that is an act of reason, right? I think this is true, therefore I will do a thing about it. Act of reason, so belief and imagination, not the same thing. I don't know how much I buy that.
0: Oh. What about like when your dog comes up to you and he's like, if I sit...
1: Your dog is talking to you? If That's I you no, know,
0: incredible. <laughs> if, if your dog comes up and sits and is very good... He believes he's going to get a treat.
1: Uh-huh. That's not reason, though. That's no. like
0: uh, That's just automatic like, response. Oh, okay.
1: Isn't that Classical conditioning?
2: Like yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he says that conv- conviction is, as it is, is not possible for those that hold beliefs not to be convinced of things. Uh, while none of the animals have conviction, many of them have imagination. So ants and bees can oh. build, but they don't necessarily have a conviction about a belief. Right. But I don't know how he proves that or how he gathers that.
1: How could it be otherwise? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Anyway, I find some of
2: his other arguments pretty convincing that, oh, good. that okay. imagination and sense perception are not the exact same thing. Sure, so, we have sense. some other faculty yeah. that animals do not have. Gotcha. We have imagination like Are you we, on board for this? We I can thought? also talk. Yeah. <laughs> well, so can animals have some sort of language.
0: Yeah, but not as I mean like not as complicated as my language. I don't think so. My right? language.
2: I mean what about bee dances?
0: They have like body language. Sure. I can dance too.
1: <laughs> You can dance as good as any bee. I mean, you never <laughs> led <laughs> me to a patch of flowers while you're dancing. I can dance as good as any bee. That's You're not paying close enough attention. Yeah, right? that's, yeah. apparently not. Yeah, are doing a great job.
2: Okay, so anyway, we have imagination. Most animals do not. Catch more flies with honey. Um, he also says imagination is movement coming from the activity of sense perception, meaning all of this comes from our senses, right? We can't really have imagination without these things. It's not a, it's not a separate deal, but mm-hmm. it works upon everything that's come through our senses. Okay, so... That's sort of like our first movement into the soul of man, which is that we have thinking and belief, and we also have imagination, gotcha. and those things are separate from the senses and sort of bring them all together. Is my understanding? Good so far. Sure. Good So far. Okay. Number four is what is intellect. This is where we get a little bit into the weeds. Oh, <laughs>
1: what have we been doing oh, so? Oh, well, you guys
2: thought that was the hard <laughs> bit? <laughs> oh, is this? Ha <laughs> You, oh, <my> <laughs> <laughs> you tender babes.
1: through the tools. <laughs> Okay. I'm just imagining you angrily reading this, like in preparation. I was, I I sat there and I was like, what is this? I don't, and the funny thing
2: is I would look at the footnotes to understand it. And I was like, I don't even understand the footnote. This doesn't make any flipping sense. And I just got angrier and angrier and felt more embarrassed. And then even the commentator in a couple of the chapters says, clearly, this chapter is fairly disorganized. And
1: I was like, are you killing me? I don't know how to put this
0: together. Isn't this, don't you think any consolation that these were just his lecture notes?
1: Is that true for this also? I don't know. I thought, I thought it was true for I've all of I've heard all that I rumor, writing. but I don't, know, don't know, know if that's any. actually true. How
0: do we know this? Well, it was definitely true for Nicomachean Ethics. ethics like, was it? Yeah. Okay, for sure. That's why it's called that. Nic- Nicomachus was a student, wasn't it? Or was a kid? I thought it was, was his, his, kid. his son. Because
1: there's a question of what it means, because he does have a son, but there's another mm. meaning attached to it. I, I'd have to look it up, yeah. but it could be the person <laughs> taking notes. Okay. Well, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. This <laughs> thing is
0: cracking the cold ones. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of chapters that, that I
2: just have question marks by. Okay, like cool. I just, awesome. it's just question marks. Okay. Cool. It doesn't seem relevant. So I'm trying to give you guys the straight dope, the good We're stuff. sophisticated men of leisure. We can, we can figure it out. Yes. <clears throat> I, I believe in us. Intellect Uh-oh. is the potential for thought. Okay. No internal appearance that would affect that from without. So before it thinks it must not be any of the things that exist, so it must not be mixed with the body so my brain can comprehend all the things that exist and because it can't be already one of those things because it you don't want some sort of pre-existing condition we don't want we don't want it to be blue because then it wouldn't be able to perceive certain things and we don't want it to be a truck a chicken truck mm-hmm. because then i guess perception of other things would be a little bit goofy so it has to be the potential for thought unmixed with a body and i think this is where it gets a little weird and where modern science would say I don't know that that's necessarily true you can be a
1: brain and still perceive brains oh that's interesting I I guess I'm not following like is he trying to say there's something behind that like that he's hypothesizing so there's like something behind the brain that is Allowing the perception? Well, again, or? I don't
2: think he knows about the brain. Right, in the first um, place. But
1: he's kind of saying that there's something, something back
2: there that isn't mixed with the body yeah, yeah, yeah. and is something else that allows us to perceive and
0: imagine all of these things. Because if it was mixed with the body, it wouldn't be able to perceive it? It, it, it would be like-
2: almost like tainted, right? If so, it would have quality, like hot or cold, yeah. or have some organ like a perceptive faculty, um, which we know to be the brain. Right. I think this is another one of those like, well, but
0: maybe he's talking about consciousness, right? right? Because you can have brain like,
2: okay, that's a different thing. We're getting there. Consciousness is different than what he's, what he's kind of highlighting right now. He's kind of saying there must be something that is unmixed with the world because it can perceive all things in the world. Right. I think he might be wrong here. Um, (laughs) But he says, (laughs) but he says here, this is the place of forms, right? Where you can think, okay, I know what a table is. It's unmixed. I'm not a table. My brain is not a table, but I can see that thing and say, yes, that fits my category for table. Right. If we're talking about modern philosophy, we might, we might say it is the place where you hold all of the categories of things, right? The human perception is a, is a the business of categorization. We see a thing, we say, that's a thing I like. It is also a cat. Mm-hmm. It is also a furry thing. We just put it under all these categories. I think he's saying this is where that exists. Okay. So scratchy. maybe like memory. Maybe okay. we could think of it kind of like memory. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. So unmixed with the world, it's something else. Again, I think now we would say it, it exists in the brain. I don't think he would. Um, and then he says, it's different from other faculties in that it isn't destroyed or desensitized by excess. So your eyeballs
1: will be destroyed, will by, too be destroyed by too much light Yeah.
2: or will have problems with too much dark. Yeah. Your taste, I don't know how you destroy it with taste, but too much too spice, salt, yeah, too much salt. That's
0: Sunday at TGI Friday. <laughs> yeah,
2: that'll, that'll rip you up, man. Or touch. I think if you're just beaten to death, yeah, I think sure.
0: it's a yeah. solution, it is, right? Yeah. Hit, hit. But you're, he's saying you can't perceive too much to break it. No,
2: no, no. Well, in oh. in the sense organs, you mm. can't. Too much sound, too mm-hmm. high or too sure, low, sure, is going to sure. you know mess up your ears. But with thought,
1: mm. there's not too much. Thought.
2: Thinking a really big thought does not diminish the small ones. Mm. In fact, sometimes it makes them more peaked, mm. right? They, it makes them sharper. So he says it's a, it's a little bit different than anything else like that. What's the biggest thought you can think?
1: god i don't like what are you
0: uh, i'm just uh, saying like i don't know what do you say when you talk about big thoughts and small thoughts what, what's the difference what, what is that
1: you mean like actually think of big things
2: like I'm thinking, I, he I doesn't think, he doesn't say okay. he just says when you think a grand or a big thought that it doesn't make the small thoughts any different oh, Okay. so i don't know like if shower you, thoughts <laughs> yes maybe he's just thinking all these things and he's like clearly i can still think <laughs> about ducks yeah, so yeah. i am crushing it here and it's not destroying my ability to think yeah Gotcha. Okay. And then there's a section where I just have question mark, question mark, huh? Question mark. And this is, I think, the par- part where he starts talking about the a point being divisible and indivisible. Mm. And there's, so you have a line, mm-hmm. there's a point in the middle. Yeah. It isn't divided. Yeah, correct. But you can imagine it divided. Could be. But it's not. But actually. it's not divided. Yeah, exactly. But it could be.
1: Could be. But it's not. But it's not.
0: Yeah. No question marks maybe. He's got it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: but I don't know how that relates to the soul. So I just put question mark, question mark, huh? And moved on. Cool.
1: Great. Okay.
2: I'm going to read you all of chapter five. Well, is he trying to prove that like... Dude, don't even... <laughs> Graham, what are you doing? Not, Stop. Not <laughs> useful to try, my guy. I, I, there's no point here. <laughs> Back off, Graham. What yeah. You? My, I, I want, can't help I you. want to think big <laughs> if thoughts. If you ask a question, I will not be able to help you through it. Like, I, I promise you. Just tell me to read the dude, section? I, I
0: want to push the bounds of knowledge. knowledge.
2: let it be done. Let, him, right. let me cook, Donaldson. <laughs> do you want me to read the section?
0: I just want to know what it means. Yes, The answer
2: is yes. He wants to hear it. Is it long? Uh, let me see if I can find it.
0: Okay. I, I want to go deep in the lore. Let's get let's get go for it. Sounds okay,
2: terrible. you guys ready for this? Born yeah. ready. This is why this is why they're question mark, okay, just question don't, mark. Just,
0: just don't read it fast. Sometimes you read fast.
2: I know, I do. I, it's, mm-hmm. I get excited. Now size and to be size are not the same. Nor water and to be water. And what are you saying? To be? Like, like water. Water? And so with many other things. <laughs> Though not with all, as in some cases they are the same. And so we discern the being of flesh and flesh either by something else or by something in a different state. Ah, uh, yeah. For flesh, far from being without matter, is like the snub, a this in a that. It is then with the perceptive faculty that we discern warmth and coldness and those things of which flesh is the formula. But with something else that we discern being flesh, and this is either separate or related to the perceptive faculty in the way that a bent line is related to itself when straightened. And again, in the case of those things that exist in abstraction, the straight line is like the snub in requiring extension. But what it is to be straight, if straightness and being straight are not the same, is different. <laughs> <laughs> Let us call this duality, uh, and this we judge either with something else or with the faculty in a different state. In the way then that the things are separable from matter in general, in that way are the things connected with the intellect.
1: Is that the entire section? There's more. <laughs> Sounds. Do you want? Ribbiting. Do you want the more? No, I definitely no, don't. No, probably not. Did you get? Did you, <sighs> tell me you got something. Um. There's this relationship between these different organs, right? Like the line and the bent line.
0: He was saying like, okay, hot and cold is perceived <laughs> by the flesh. Incredible. Right? No. Oh. I don't think that's no, what he said. No, he is. said hot and cold and something about the flesh being the, the, what is it called? The formula? Hot and cold didn't come into this. Are you he, thinking he
2: size and, and to be size? No, no. He no, said hot it it and
0: cold uh, oh, is, that's perce- how we, is perceived by the, the flesh, with it, which is its formula or something like that.
2: I guess. Uh, anyway, yeah. let's
0: move on. Yeah, let's move on.
2: Yeah, this is this is why like question mark question mark huh? Yeah. It doesn't. I I couldn't track. There's so much abstraction mm-hmm. and so much. It's again. It sounds like I'm overhearing twenty percent of a conversation and don't have reference for all the things. Yeah. Okay. okay. However, chapter five is discernible. It is delightful. Is Excellent. is delightful. And this is kind of where he brings. He, this is what soul is. This is this is part of it. Let's do it. Um, that's chapter five. And then I'm all, oh, and then I'm also going to read all of chapter eight. Don't worry. They're pretty short. Okay. Chapter five. It's like half a page. Now in all nature, there is for each genus, something that is its matter. And it is this, that is all those things in potentiality and something else that is their cause productive of them in virtue of bringing them all about as for instance, a skill stands towards the matter it uses. All right, this does actually make sense. So for everything that exists, there is the matter and something that caused it. Okay, So, so he- if I've got like a chicken truck, yep. that's the matter. Uh-huh. And there must have been something that made my chicken truck. Someone right? did
0: it, some creative genius. Yeah, some creative that's-
2: genius made a giant chicken, chopped off the legs, stapled them to the mm-hmm. truck, and then put like a, a uh, what do they call it? The, a waddle on the top. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's a turkey thing. The waddle, what's the, what's the, the comb? The fan. They put yeah, the comb up there.
0: Yeah, the other comb. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: So there is a cause. No less in the soul, then, must these different features occur. And indeed, there is an intellect characterized by the capacity to become all things, or I think we would probably call it memory, and an intellect characterized by that to bring all things about, and to bring them about in just the way that a state, like light, does. For, in a way, light also makes things that are potentially colors, colors in actuality. So, you have the... the Potential matter of thought and then you have the active thought piece Mm -hmm. the active intellect right that brings those things about like light does Okay, now this latter intellect is separate Unaffected and unmixed being in substance activity so it is the activity of thought bringing all those all those memories to the forefront and making things in the mind I I, he doesn't explain it very well, but this is my understanding of it, right? You've got all this potential the potential to imagine chicken truck Mm -hmm. and then the thing that says yes Now we are imagining chicken truck. We're going to take chicken. We're going to take truck. We're going to combine those two things together, and that's what we are up to. That activity is what he's talking about, the active soul. It's the cause. Okay. For in all cases, that which acts is superior to that which is affected and the principle to its matter. So he says this is the superior soul, the active one. And while knowledge in the actualized state is identical with the fact known, knowledge in the state of potentiality, though temporally prior in the individual case, does not in general even have temporal priority. Not entirely clear. Yep. Nor is it the case that the intellect is now thinking, now not. It is further in its separate state that the intellect is just that which it is, and it is this alone, and here's the kicker, that is immortal and eternal, though we have no memory, as the separate intellect is unaffected, while the intellect that is affected is perishable, and in any case thinks nothing without the other. So you have your memory... Yep. And you have your active soul. Okay. Now the memory can be destroyed. Sure. Right? You bonk your head, you forget stuff. The active soul, he says, this is the thing that is eternal. Okay. Right? The thing that selects from your memory, brings them to the forefront, and does things. Now, this is where we get into the realm where we actually don't know if this is true. And so- like, I don't think we have a, a full enough understanding of the brain to say that he's wrong. So if you are wondering where the eternal soul was going to come from, we talked about monism right. last time, yeah. that the soul is just part of the body. It's the form of the body. He says, this is the piece. This is the piece that cannot be destroyed. It is your active soul, the one that draws from the memory and brings it together. And he says, this memory isn't even any good without this active soul, but it is eternal, meaning that apparently we have no memory when we get to eternity. Like we are blissful, happy, active souls, but without the memory of what we were as a body. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Yeah,
2: sad that's sad I don't know that and here's where my you know non-christian is that like listeners, the river
0: the river the river left yeah right yeah. you
2: forget everything Yeah, yeah. so that kind of makes sense to me so if you are a Christian listener and a, well we're gonna get into Christianity a little bit here so if you're not a Christian this may not interest you as much but this is where we are we are making a statement this that science cannot yet disprove and that's that the active soul the one that Runs things. Now, the way that I have been thinking about it all day...
0: This isn't consciousness? Well, this would be consciousness. This would be consciousness. Yeah, this okay. is consciousness. consciousness. This
2: is the thing that stays. So your your ability to think of yourself as you, to move about in the memories of your mind, this is the eternal mm-hmm. soul. Now, I don't know that science has a good answer for this yet without an eternal soul. And I think maybe, like, I'm not... I don't want to make an appeal to ignorance and say, because we don't have evidence, it's it aliens. must not exist. Yeah. Right? Right. But right now, science has not said, here is the active soul. To me, if I think of the mind as a computer, and many people make that analogy, that the mind is a computer. Well, computers don't really do much without some agent banging on the keys, right? There has to be something directing a computer's activity. Open the browser, go to Facebook, or what, what's, or go to X mm-hmm. and, you know, look at all Beyonce's tweets, uh-huh, yes. right? There is something that is selecting from the memory of the computer and bringing those things to the forefront. Now, how that happens in the mind is still unknown. So if you are looking for a place to locate the human soul, I think this is it. This is the thing that escapes, right? Say a person drowns. Oh. The body is the same. Yep. I, and I, don't, I, I didn't any, do any research on this. I don't know if cell death in the brain happens over those two minutes. It might just be lack of oxygen and all those cells die. But, but a, quick, a, a, a quick death, and if, if the cells are the same this is the thing that has, has gone, Yeah. right? Is the, that directing agency, that consciousness that is out. Does that kind of make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is probably the most, one of the more controversial spots,
1: thoughts. What do you guys think?
0: Is this the breath that is breathed into Adam? I would guess. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. The thing that, that's the, just thinking back on our conversation last time of like, is the brain the soul? Like, are those the same things? Is one just like a more poetic reference to the other? I think the question you're asking is the one I've had bouncing around my head of, you know, the moment before death and the moment after death, the body's virtually the same, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But something clearly has happened in that body. What is that? This active soul has departed. And that's what that's how this would answer. And again, anytime that we, I just find it like it, the kind of exploration of the existence of a soul. And it's this isn't like, this isn't a religious document. This is like a philosophical document that he's trying yeah. to explore. And I guess, again, there are differences here from like a theological position of what the soul is, but just that he reasons into a soul. I, just, I always find that interesting when, again, here he's talking about the soul. Elsewhere he'll reason into why there must be a god. I just I think that's, that's interesting. I, I I appreciate when we kind of bring things up like that. Well, granted, he reasoned into a lot of other stuff too. That's fair <laughs> too. That <laughs> was not great that we do not stick with, for sure. But. Yeah, some stuff
2: that we are not on board with. And yep. we may eventually come
0: across. Like, like some people are just born Badger. to be ruled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not great.
2: Yeah, yeah. and I, I mean eventually, sure, science might discover that organ that is the active soul. And this is the thing that that moves things. But even then it's hard to say exactly what would prompt that to action. Right. Does that kind of make sense?
1: Sure. I mean, I you could
2: maybe point to chemical interactions, yep. but so sure. Yeah. We might eventually find the thing that says this is the active soul. We can remove it. There's still memory. The body will still react to certain memories, certain ways, and there's no real consciousness there. But I don't think we have yet. Uh, and if you are, you know, a brain scientist out there and you're like, Oh, no, contraire, push up your glasses. Do we'd I, love to hear from you.
1: Cause if I don't believe in free will, isn't there no contradiction here? Like if I don't think that there's anyone behind, if I think everything is just reaction that's like built into people from the beginning, isn't there no need for a, a, a soul to persist? Like there's no thing behind the perception or the response. Like it is all just body. Yeah. I, but that's the thing
2: is I, we don't know if it's all just body yeah, sure. yet Yeah. that. So I've been doing a thinking, I don't know if I brought this up last time, but I've been doing a lot of thinking about life. <laughs> Oh um, it's heavy. <laughs> like no, yeah. not like my life, just like the actual what life is. Okay. Um, and we talked a little bit about it last time. The the one thing I was thinking of is that every everything that currently exists is in an unbroken line of life. Yeah. Right? My life has been bestowed from elsewhere. Yeah. And if I give life to something else, it came from me. Right? So whatever, if you're an evolutionist or a creationist, either way, since the first motions of life, it is unbroken. Right? That is an unbroken chain from then till now. And this is where we get into Christianity And Unless you're thinking about Jesus Christ, he is the only and sole instance of unbequeathed life, including Adam. Adam received his life from the Godhead. Didn't. Uh, I guess only. Just, he was a baby. He was a baby, right. Yes, but born. then he died. The resurrection is that point where the life is self bequeathed. Mary oh, didn't bring oh, him back up.
1: Oh, oh, sorry, yes, got right? it. Right,
2: so he was unbroken through through until the resurrection. Yeah, Even yeah. the other people that are raised in the Bible were raised by virtue of someone else's life, right?
0: What um, about Lazarus?
2: Jesus rose him up. Oh, he okay. gave that life back.
0: What about uh, the, like, the dead kid with Elijah? I guess Elijah did it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like again, all life, all life, save solely the resurrection.
0: But wouldn't you say God raised him? Elsewhere bequeathed. I mean, you in could. The same way that you would say that God raised Lazarus?
2: Yeah, but but in this case you'd say it was he since he is God, it was mm-hmm. God okay. self-raised, right? So if that is the truth, then the only real pure life that is self-bestowed is that in the Godhead. Okay. Which so what does
0: what does that change? what does that what does that add to Aristotle's conversation about this? Oh, nothing. I just oh. think it's cool. <laughs> oh. I just brought <laughs> well, it up because it's a fun that. idea, but right? <laughs>
2: that the yeah. that that is the only only instance we know of of self-bequeathed life. Right. Okay. Because even even if God if God has been eternally existing, there was no point at which he declared life for himself gotcha right whereas in the resurrection he did um kind of cool kind of just cool. a just a fun thought i stumbled across Yep. okay how are we doing on time i don't know mm-hmm. let's let's find out 13 all right we got, we got a little more time let's go a little further okay so we did all of chapter five and then six and seven make no sense cool uh i just have stuff huh stuff huh and i don't think they're entirely useful so we're going to read chapter eight which is the definition of the soul. You guys still with me? Yeah, we're still
0: with you. Is chapter okay.
1: seven very short? I'm wondering chapter. if I have the right text pulled up or if these are just summaries. No, chapter seven's a little long. Oh, never mind. Okay.
2: Okay, chapter eight, though, is fairly short. And, and it gives us a summary of what we may have missed in the chapters I skipped. Yeah. So, but now, by way of summing up what has been said about the soul, let us repeat that the soul is, in a way, all the things that exist. Right? You are potential. You, you have all the forms inside your mind and you can recognize all the things that exist. Right? Okay. I can make those images true to myself. For in, for all the things that exist are objects either of perception or of thought. And knowledge is in a way the things that are known. Perception in a way the things that are perceived. So in your, in your soul, the only way to get stuff into your soul is you, you know it and that's the thing there and then the way you get it in there is by perception. But we must inquire how this is so knowledge then and perception are divided in relation to their objects they in their potential state corresponding to the objects in their potential state and in the same correspondence obtaining between the actualized states and the perce- sorry i think i think he's going to give an analogy here that'll help i could be wrong and the perceptive and cognitive faculties of the soul are also those of thought now it must be either the things themselves that the faculties potentially are or their forms And as it is obviously not the things themselves, since clearly stone, for instance, is not in the soul, it must rather be the form of stone in the soul. So it's like the potential of the thing. It's the form of stone, not the actual stone that is rankling around and bonking around inside your body. Right. There is thus an analogy between the soul and the hand. The hand is a tool of tools. The intellect, a form of forms. And they sense a form of sense objects. So... The hand is a tool of tools. It will do all the tool stuff. Whereas the mind is a form of forms. You are your mind, your soul is like a gathering together of all the souls of the universe, right? Your perception is a gathering together of all the possible perceptions that you can get. Does that kinda of make sense? You mm-hmm. guys following? Yeah. And since there Sounds is kind of woo-woo though. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong
0: though. Are my souls gathering all the souls of the universe?
2: No, all the form. what is this, like, brain forms. Like oh, okay. forms. Forms, meaning like I understand a table because I have the idea of table in my head. Gotcha. Right, and you, there is nothing you can think of that are isn't part of the forms in your mind. Okay. Right, you've got categories in there for everything, and okay. if there's no category for it, you're just like, well, I don't know what that is. All right. you right? You with me so far? I'm with, you. Sure. with you. And since there is as, as it is thought, no separable things apart from perceptible sizes. This is where it might get confusing. The objects of thought are in the forms that are perceived, both those that are spoken spoken of as in abstraction and those that are conditions and affectation affections of the objects of perception. I don't know if the rest is useful. Yeah. He's just talking about images as sense data without matter. Um, okay. So that's the soul. The soul is just like the form of forms. It gathers together all the form of stuff in the universe. Okay. Um, then he kind of goes to the parts of the soul And he says, look, we can keep on cutting down the parts of the soul, right? In the intellect, you can have a bunch of different intellects. In the imagination, you can have different types. We could keep on going, but here's here's the stuff. So he says, this is chapter nine. There's the nutritive part, which is present both in plants and all animals. So you grow. There's the perceptive part, which could not easily be given either as rational or irrational. You're just perceiving. Then there's the imaginative part. Though it is different from all the parts in its way of being what it is, it's very problematic on the assumption of separate parts of the soul with which it is to be identified and from distinguished. In addition to these, there's the desiderative part, your desires seemingly both conceptually and potentially distinct from all. So you can imagine things, but the desire of those things seems to be separate from your imagining of it. Um, There's perception and there's growth, right? And I think all of this is leading up to his, what causes motion question. So remember the soul is supposed to do a few things. It's supposed to cause motion, I forget the others. It's supposed to perceive. Uh Um, I think those are the big things. Uh Perceive and cause motion. And so he's like, okay, what is it exactly that causes motion? Um, And he points out that, well, must have imagination and desire. It's not nutritive, right? Mm -hmm. If it's just nutrition, then plants would be moving around better than they are, right? Um, You have to be able to imagine something and desire it, right? If you can imagine it, then you can want it. Um, it's not just perception because some animals perceive but remain stationary, right? They don't clearly want stuff. Mm. They can, you touch a sea anemone, it's going to pull in its little doodles, mm-hmm. but we don't see it actively going out to get things, right? Mm. It doesn't. A what?
0: An, a sea anemone. You have sea enemies? Sea anemone. <laughs> oh. What do you call them? I have no idea what you're talking about. You've ne- I grew up in the prairies. <laughs> you don't know sea enemies? No, what is it? So, you know, it's like one of those little sea slugs that got all the. that thing. Oh. It looks like a troll doll
1: showing a picture of a CNM to gram for the first time. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. You touch it and it. You w- know, it, it, will, it will react, but it doesn't clearly want anything.
2: It's mm. not going, being a go getter. Yeah, it wants you to stop touching it. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> and this is where I, I might disagree with yeah. some of his conclusions, but he says there are some things that perceive, mm-hmm. right? They can tell you're there, mm-hmm. but they don't really clearly want anything, mm. right? Like uh, I think a Venus flytrap would count mm. here. They want, but don't they want flies. They react to a fly mm-hmm. being there, mm-hmm. but they're not like
1: reaching for flies. They're just sort of, they just sort of closes, right? It's a reaction that happens. This was a question we got because didn't we say that motion is like a part of the soul? So if they're making motion, do they have souls? Well, plants do have, we call it heliotaxis. They grow towards huh? the sun and yeah, they will my, move that. towards my the sun, sun.
0: Like sunflowers. My sunflowers move around all the time. Yeah.
2: Exactly. But do sunflowers feel desire? Not really. So mm. desire must be different than perception is what I'm saying. Okay. Like there must be something else. Okay. Um, but I can tell if my plants are happy. Sure.
1: Can you? Great. <laughs> are you a plant whisperer? What's happening?
2: <laughs> no, you, you can, can tell, tell. happy plants. You I can tell, tell when my plants, tell are plants are happy. Like you. when they don't get enough water, they kind of get droopy? Yeah. Like, my that- my ha- hab- hab- habanero plant, uh-huh. if I don't give it enough water, its sleeves get sad. Oh, that's And it kind sad. of droops. Yeah. That's bummer. Yeah. And then when I water it, it goes bloop and then lifts <laughs> it's, its shoulders again. Yeah. It's really, really sweet. Okay. So he says, intellect doesn't do it alone. You can think about things and then not go after them, mm. right? Even if the thing seems desirable. And desire doesn't do it itself because... I can desire something and my intellect will say, no, 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 stay away, right? right. So motion must be some sort of combination of these. But he says, really the thing seems to be desire, right? I can think about a lot of things, but desire is the thing that really gets me going. Mm -hmm. And so the the desiderative faculty, my capacity to want things is that thing that gives motion. Gotcha. Right. Yes, it can't really function without the intellect, but just the intellect isn't gonna make you move, right? It has to be that capacity to desire. Um, and he it says it's three things in concert making this happening. The good that can be done. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Like, you see a good, and I think this is recognized by intellect. He doesn't say it, but I think that's the deal. And then the faculty of desire is like, ooh, that's a good thing. I should go after that thing that I just imagined. And then the animal moves its bodily functions, body, soul together, goes after the thing. So this is his final explanation. You're not made of fire, mm-hmm. or by air motes or whatever the other explanations were in pre- few episodes ago. That's not how movement works. It's You see a thing with your intellect that seems good. You want that thing, that desiderative faculty, the capacity to desire, and then you move forward. Toward it, yeah. Yeah. The last few chapters are sort of only... So
0: he says the, the soul is the will?
2: He's pointing out that the thing that makes motion is desire. Mm. Right, he's trying to answer that question: What is it in the soul that moves a person? Right, yeah. people were claiming it was fire and water, and or fire and air and moats and, and magic it's things. Desire, it's desire. It's like it's desire, man, and it's not strict intellect. It's a capacity that you have to want stuff. So,
0: is it the appetitive part of man?
2: I would say. I, I yeah. think that's a fair assumption. Okay. Yeah, yeah the appetitive part, and then he talks about animals that possess only touch, and that and all animals must have a nutritive soul, and then thirteen. The rest is sort of like. Scientific considerations we don't really care about anymore because um, we just under, understand anatomy and science better. So takeaways, I think talking about the the eternal faculty of the soul is that one. Not It's not memory. It's that thing that selects from memory. We would call it consciousness, right? Th- you can sit down and say, I'm going to think about cats mm-hmm. and cats painting pictures. Mm-hmm. And you can select those two things from your memory and guide your brain there. And it is that capacity that's the eternal soul. I think that's where you finally sort of end up. Motion doesn't come from air or fire. It's your capacity for desire. And then imagination is different than intellect, which is all different from perception, right? I think that's the big takeaways here. And also, don't read
1: this. I was going to say, <laughs> is is should anyone read this thing? book? Yeah. Uh,
2: I, apparently there are commentaries that I just didn't get to. One is by Thomas Aquinas. Uh-huh. I yeah. wonder if that would make more sense. And I again, it just seems like... I to fully understand this. I would have to read six other books that sort of lay the groundwork for some of the terminology he uses and then also read commentaries. And then also sometimes Aristotle is just not a very good writer. Mm. Like there are so many ethereals and he doesn't give any examples and any analogies to help you pick it apart. And he's using so much jargon from those early arguments that I just can't parse it.
0: You're not going to do that? You're going to read the commentaries? and No. You're too busy <laughs> to learn about the soul?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing this anymore i'm all set i'm all good i'm gonna i don't know probably gonna go swimming <laughs> Just take a break you're yeah, it take it, a break man you this desire is, it you it know? is i do desire it and my intellect says it is good it's true so yeah that's where i end i hope this has been at least semi-informative it's entirely possible that i got a bunch of this stuff wrong but i think those few takeaways that i highlighted are right i think i understood understood those correctly um yeah, I wouldn't recommend reading it. Maybe read a quick commentary, or you know what? Better yet, find a great lecture on YouTube that goes over that kind of connects this to all the other things. Um, I found a few that looked pretty good. I didn't have the time with my three hours this morning to to watch a full hour hour long lecture. Maybe I'll do that before next time. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, if I'm honest. So any any last thoughts or questions, boys? We made it. Good I job. Think so
0: I'm. It's pretty good. Well, if you're desiring to get in touch with us. Uh-huh. You can email us at classical boys. What's our email address? The guys. The guys. The guys. The guys. The classical <laughs> boys. <laughs> classical boys. The, the, the guys at classicalstuff.net. Uh, you can find us on the social media network formerly known as Twitter, X. Mr. X. <laughs> Mr. X. Um, it's classical stuff on Twitter, but spelt weird. Um, uh, you can patronize us on Patreon, where you can ask. Where we do a, a monthly AMA. We do in between episodes. Um, I'd say we're
2: also more active on there. If you want to contact right. that's, that's us, we more, usually comment on more of our Patreon well, stuff we, than we, our we, we
0: definitely sort of like pay more attention to the the Patreon members. Um, and But we try to get back on emails and stuff. But we if try. you're a Patreon member, we, we're a lot more better at getting back to you. That's, I mean, a lot more better, yeah. A lot more better. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if that's saying much. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's this true. has been yeah, yeah, Graham, true. AJ, and Thomas. Talking about the soul. And if you're still listening, you're our soul you, listener. I don't know. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Well, it's it's, it's,
2: three of five stars. Yeah. <laughs> the puns are not that great. No, not I, I wasn't rating you. I was just rating oh, the, oh, the no, I'm just saying that podcast.
0: Like, three of five. <laughs> I just figured that people have turned off by now and the people that haven't should be should be rewarded okay, with a little banter. And I was actually
2: I think grand. they're listening. Yeah. I'm gonna ask you a question. Sure can I attach the recording we made of your goofy intro here? So if you've made it this far, keep listening, and you've earned the Easter egg, and this is where you find it. Fine. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. Okay.
0: for the oven yeah. to heat up. That's what I always What's say. What's that, I was telling him, man, we ran out of parchment paper and she's just wondering how to form the bread into a boule. Okay. It's like a boule. But make sure that you, when you're forming into the boule, you are a little more forceful than normal to get all the air out. Forgot, I I forgot to deal with the bread before I left for podcasting.
1: Gotcha. Unbelievable. I know. Do you want to continue your intro? Have you been recording this whole thing? <laughs> That's so incredible.
2: Yeah. I got Donaldson recording text into this one.
0: That's so meme. That's so <laughs> messed up. We can save this for um, like an Easter egg or something.
2: Or I might just Keep tack going. it into the main episode. Yeah.
0: Hi, and welcome to Glasgow <laughs> Stuff You Should Know. This is a podcast about, in- about invasions of privacy. <laughs> incredible. Incredible. Um, <laughs> Um, he's, he's, he's a little thrown so off. Like, you're really thrown off right like, yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, classical. So my name is Graham. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can you keep this up the entire episode? This is incredible. is his <laughs> He's so mad. Him.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's start it for real. We, it's we already been started. started. I refuse. Ref- flat out refuse.
1: Thomas, do you want to finish his intro for him? <laughs> this is classical <laughs> stuff. You should know. It's a podcast. We talk about bulls I don't know what that was. We talk about bread. <laughs> let's do another. No. Um.